Amen? So if you got your Bibles open, the book of Philippians in chapter number 4, we're going to begin reading in verse number 6. <laughs> Paul, writing according to the direction of the Holy Spirit, said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, but make sure we don't miss this part, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I want to look this morning at a message from the text right here. It says, be careful for nothing. God, thank you so much that we can just come to you, Lord, as, as a child. Thank you, Father. We don't have to be anything special, for we're clearly not. God, we're, we're unfit, broken vessels held in the hand of a potter, but you're shaping us and molding us and making us into something new and something better. God, I thank you for the simplicity of the prayer of a child. I pray you'd help us to have that kind of prayer life, God. I pray you'd help us to come to you as a child, God. A child doesn't know any better than to just believe, God. I wish we could have that kind of faith that we don't know any better. We, we understand the size of the mountain. We see the severity of the storm. We see the greatness of the situation, and we want to believe. But we see all the problem and all the turmoil, and so we come with that little bit of a grain of, of doubt within us, God, that, that holds back the power of heaven. God, I pray you'd help us to come with that heart of a child that doesn't look at the size of the problem, but we look at the size of our God over the problem. And God, I pray you'd bless this morning. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us, your children. I pray you'd speak through your word. I pray you'd help us, God, and when we walk out, we walk out a stronger Christian, a better Christian, more eager to serve you, God. It is our heart's desire to serve you with everything we have. I pray you'd help us now, God. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. The, the Greek word translated here in our text, translated over to careful, is a word that also means anxious. And the word anxious there means to be greatly concerned. So it tells us to not be anxious, not to be greatly concerned about the things that are going on around us. It comes from a root word, the Greek root word. It, it means distraction. So here in this one statement God is telling us, man, don't, don't worry. Don't be overly concerned. Y'all with me, right? It's, it's hard not to focus on the problem when the problem's right before us, amen? And, and God says, he says don't, don't be concerned about all the things that's going on. Don't be all upset and anxious and worried about things over which we have no control. Don't let it become a distraction in our lives. Don't let it become a distraction in our prayer life. No matter what it is, just take it to the Father. And it says that the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is the peace of God that helps us smile when the world looking in wonders what in the world do they have anything to smile about. It is the peace of God that, that helps us get through the day when a lot of times the world would say, why don't you just give in? Why, why don't you just give up? Why don't you just quit? Look at all the things that's going on. It's the peace of God that helps us get through the situations in our lives that other people around us sometimes are looking. They go, how in the world did they get through that? It's called the grace of God. It's called the peace of God which surpasseth 
all understanding. Many, many times in our lives, it, it's after the fact. It's after we've walked through a terrible valley or it's after we, we, we've been through some severe hurt or some terrible suffering or maybe even both. And sometimes it's after the fact that we can look back and we can see how the hand of God walked through that valley with us, walked through that fire with us. We can see how the hand of God orchestrated everything in that valley and brought us out of the other side. But when we were in that valley, we couldn't necessarily see God. When we were in it, sometimes we felt like we were alone, but sometimes it's hindsight. Sometimes we got to get on the other side of the valley and look back in it and see the things that God has done. Our text goes hand in hand. Psalm chapter 55, David said in verse 22, To cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Peter says in 1 Peter in chapter 5, verse 7, he says, casting all your care. How much is that? Do you keep any out for yourself? Do you hold on to any of your problems? He says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for who? Boy, I wish you had a mirror right now to look in. I want you to understand who he's talking to. It's you. The person you looked at in the mirror this morning, that's the person God loves. The person you looked at in the morning, in the mirror this morning, that's the person that God cares about. That's the person that God wants to bless. Can I tell you something else? That's the person that God wanted to hear from. That's the person when you looked in the mirror this morning, God sought a relationship with you. God just wanted to spend time with you because God loves us. Casting all you care upon him for he careth for you. Our text says don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. If we could change it, we already would have, right? So it says don't worry about it. Just, just, just with, with prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving. Boy, it's hard to give thanks when you're down in the valley, isn't it? It's hard to give thanks when you feel like, when you feel like, y'all stay with me, you feel like you don't have anything to be thankful for. Boy, it's amazing how a storm can make us forget all the things in our life that we have to be thankful for when we get caught in some unthankful situations. He says, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let our request be known. So means whatever's going on, we want to bring it to God. We want to thank him for everything he's doing. I'll be honest, thank him that I can bring him this storm and that I can hand it to him and that I can count on him to part my Red Sea, move my mountains out of the way, and, and do the things that I'm coming to him for. Now, this word request, it, it comes from a word that literally means anything you want to ask, anything that you want to bring before God. It comes from a root word. It means to beg or to plead. That means we can even beg God. We can come to him and, and plead. It says by prayer and supplication. That word supplication simply means earnest prayer. It, it is bringing our petitions before God and making our requests known to Him. You know, in this book, God records the word pray 313 times. The word prayer 107 times. The word praying 20 times. So 440 times God talks about pray in some form. Seems to me that it must be pretty important to God to talk about it that many times. And if it's important to God, then it ought to be important to us. We ever stop to wonder why the world tries so hard to get prayer out of everything? We live in a world today that is desperately trying to, to take God out of things through prayer. 
Oh, you watch television shows, you can watch awards, whatever you do, and you hear, oh, I thank God. You hear that stuff flippantly all the time. You hear it from people that just got through saying curse words and people whose lifestyles demonstrate anything, but they don't mind that because the truth be known, there, there are any forms of God that you want there to be. When you mention God, then any religion can relate to that. They don't consider that offensive because if, if that pew you're sitting on is your God, that's okay. It's whatever you want to put and all the different false religions of the world. So they're not really offended when you say anything about, oh, I thank God or, or, or God and his blessings. But it changes the temperature of things when you throw in the name Jesus Christ. Because they ain't talking about a bunch of little G false gods. When you throw in, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you just change the temperature of everything. You just change the whole atmosphere because the name of Jesus is a game changer. And, and for those out there in the world, that name is a deal breaker. They, they don't want to hear that, but they also do not want you to pray. If you are one who truly prays in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and you pray in the goodness and the oneness of God, and you pray as though a child of God washed in the blood of the Lamb of God on your way to heaven with a seal about your forehead, they're not going to ask you to pray at very many public functions. They want to give you a handwritten prayer, and you read that. That's not prayer. Prayer is when the heart of a child talks to the Father about the things he wants to talk about. The world is desperately trying to take prayer out of everything. The devil knows what he's doing by trying to take prayer out of things because he knows that when he removes prayer, he removes power. He removes the kind of power for which he has no answer for. He has no solution for. He has no power against it. If he can remove the power of the prayer of the children of God, then he can hold us down in bondage. He's definitely trying to remove prayer. They're doing everything, started years ago, to try to remove prayer out of the public school system. They've done a pretty good job of that. And we wonder why our school systems are in the shape that they're in. It's because we've taken the power of prayer out of them. They're trying to take prayer out of public events, even if they want to recognize and give honor to somebody, they'll call for a moment of silence. Prayer is not a moment of silence. Prayer is a moment of crying out to God. Prayer is a moment of using our voice to praise a God who is worthy of our praise and to worship the Lamb of God and then ask for the request of the things that are there. They're trying to remove prayer. They're trying to remove God out of the equation. Isaac Newton tried to take God out of nature. Charles Darwin did everything he could to try to take God out of creation. Sigmund Freud tried to, tried to take the theories of children and personalities and sexualities, and he tried to, to take God out of the souls of men. These are the theories that are being taught in our school systems, theories of men over the truth of the Word of God. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Them that put darkness for light and light for darkness. They put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. The world is desperately trying to dilute the Word of God. They want to dilute the depth of sin by just calling it a mistake. It doesn't sound nearly as bad, does it? 
that they call it a, a, a mistake, trying to remove anything that reminds them of their sinful nature and their need of a Savior. If they acknowledge Jesus at all, they just include him as like a, a supplement to life, something that they can add to their life to try to make them better. Christianity is not a supplement of life. It is a necessity for life. There is no life without Christ. Jesus did not come to make men better. Jesus came to make men new. I said, Jesus did not come to make men better. Jesus came to make men new. All things are not made better. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Salvation is, is not a, a modification. It's a liberation from the old to the new, from what we were to what we are. It is a complete change. We talked about it briefly on Wednesday night for those who are here. It's a transfer from the nature of Adam to the nature of Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse number 12, I'm going to read a few verses for you here. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him that was to come. Not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For though through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and by the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Praise God that we're one of the many. Verse number 16, not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came unto all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous." Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians, Paul said in chapter 15, verse 45, and so it is written, the first man Adam was made a living soul, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that which is, was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth earthly, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. As is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. Jesus Christ makes all things new. You and I have been redeemed from a life of sin, and we have been given a new life in Christ. We have a new identity. We have a new eternity. Boy, that ought to make somebody at least say an amen right there that all of eternity has changed for what Christ has done. We've been given new freedoms. We are now free to worship God. 
We are now free, according to the Word of God, to go boldly into the throne room of a holy, sovereign, righteous God. We are free to go in the very presence of the Creator of the universe as mortal man saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are free to walk in and talk to the Father who can change anything at any time on any day. We have been given the freedom to pray, but freedoms must be exercised. As Christians, there's so much more than what we're just saved from. To be free is more than to be free from something. It's to be free to something. Think about somebody's been in prison. They're released from prison. Their day comes. They're released from prison. They're released from that cell. They're released from those bars. They're, they're released from what has been their living quarters for a short time, however long they were there. But think about what they're free to. They're, they're free to go home to their family. They're, they're free to eat whatever they want, whenever they want, wherever they want. They're, they're free to go to dinner, to go out with friends, to go, to go gather. They, they're, they're free to go to a ball game. They're free to, to as, as Jason talked about, they're free to stay up too late on a Saturday night and watch a Braves game. You didn't wear your jersey today, brother. I was ready for you. There's so much more than what they're free to than what they're free from. The same thing is true with the children of God. We, we are free to do great things. We are free to live a life in Christ. We are free to be set free from our past. We are free to pray and talk to God. We are free to be everything that God has called us to be. We are free from eternal death. Praise God. But we are free to live a life in Christ. We are free to live as closely as we can as Christ lived. At the very heart of the life of Christ is prayer. Prayer is not a duty. It's a privilege. Prayer shouldn't be a Sunday thing. It shouldn't be something that we can only do when we have a chance to come to the altar, that we can only do when we're here in the pews, or that we can only do at the opening or closing part of church. It ought to be sprinkled in to everything that we do every single day of our life. Anything we do that is not bathed in prayer is dangerous. We, we ought to put it into everything. We ought to pray when we get up. We ought to pray when we eat breakfast. We ought to be praying when we're driving to work. We ought to be praying when we're at work and driving home. We ought to be praying when we get home and not just praying, but we ought to be thanking God. Thank God that we got up this morning. Thank God that he woke us up. Thank God that we got the help to get up and do the things we're doing. Thank God that we had breakfast on the table because there are millions of people right now who are starving to death and they didn't have nothing and they won't have anything today more than likely. Unless they find a worm under a log to eat, they're probably not going to have anything. We don't understand how good the blessings of God truly are on us. We ought to be praising God that we have a job to go to. Most of us are pretty good at complaining about the jobs, and that's all right. Things don't necessarily go good. The people we're around drive us crazy. I'm not saying that stuff out loud. Let me just go on back to preaching. 
Thank God that we have a job to go to, that we can support our families and buy groceries and do the things that we do. Thank God for our family. Thank God for our home. Thank God for our health. Thank God for nature, the beauty of nature, the birds singing, the sunrise, the sunset, the fact that we have eyes that we can see, ears that we can hear, the fact that God blesses us with all those things. We ought to be praising God every day. Prayer is not something that we just come together on Sunday and praise. It is to be the very center of our lives, the centerpiece of everything that we do. We ought to pray everywhere we go about everything that we do. And anything that we do that we did not pray about, God does not have to be involved in. Ooh, that's hard. That's a scary thought, isn't it? I'd hate to think I'd have to go somewhere without God on my side, wouldn't you? But if we don't take God with us in prayer, then he's not bound to go. The Bible says that we're to pray at all times. We looked a couple of weeks ago, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, that we're to pray without ceasing. There is never a time, anybody still awake, there is never a time that it's inappropriate to pray. There, there is never a, a time when it is unnecessary to pray. Sometimes maybe more than others, but there's never a time when we're wrong to pray. Prayer is the defining factor of the war in the flesh. We fight a battle every day within ourselves. We fight a battle with the flesh. Old things passed away, but the devil likes to keep trying to bring things back. The devil likes to try to bring things up. We wrestle with the flesh. Anybody besides me wrestle with the flesh? Anything still go through your mind, especially when you're driving? That's the worst time for me when you're driving. People around me cannot drive. They need to revoke a lot of driver's license. If you can drive in this town and not think fleshly thoughts, you are indeed a child of the living God, washed in the blood, justified. You have nothing to remorse and nothing to ask for forgiveness about if you can drive around here and not be upset. I battle with the flesh. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We still war with some things. The Bible tells us, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 26 to watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The presence or the absence of prayer is going to be the defining mark between victory and defeat in whatever we're doing. The absence of prayer will always manifest itself in the flesh. The absence of prayer will show up in the way we handle things. It'll show up in the way we act. It'll show up in the way we talk. It'll show up in how we treat others. It'll show up in how we react when things don't necessarily go our way. But, but the, the presence of prayer in our lives gives us strength. He gives us strength to, to overcome. It, it, is, it, is, gives, it gives us the grace to, to go through situations that we can't go through on our own. It is the power to overcome temptations because temptations will come. It is one of the number one tricks of the devil. It, it is love to help us love other people. Not just love the brethren, but love thy enemy as thyself and pray for those which spitefully use you and persecute you. Say all manner of evil against you. It, it is time and prayer that gives us the ability to love people. So we're not to just put off the old man, but we are to put on the new. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 8. But you also put off all these. Anger. If you got any right here that you haven't put off, I'm sorry, I'm just reading. You, you can work on that later. 
You're to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, parentheses, gossip, filthy communications out of your mouth, four-letter adjectives, lies, tearing down the brother, lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Ephesians 4.22, that you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Prayer is simply putting God in control of our new nature in Christ. Prayer is the desire to include God in everything that we do. Prayer is a, a desire to have a close, constant, personal relationship with God. Prayer is the key, but desire has to come before prayer. Where there is no desire to pray, there will be no prayer. If we have no desire, bottom line, we're not going to pray. God's Word doesn't, doesn't suggest that we should pray. It, it commands us to pray. Whether we like it or not, we ought to pray. Y'all remember the quote I read last week from Charles Spurgeon? We should pray when we're in a praying mood, for it'd be a sin to neglect so great an opportunity. And we should pray when we're not in a praying mood, for it would be dangerous to remain in such an unhealthy condition. Not to pray is a sin for the child of God. Anybody in here ever been hungry? Let me see if I can help you. Anybody thinking about a ribeye longhorns right now? Eggs, scattered, smothered, and covered hash browns, something. Wendy's, hot and juicy. Did you turn me off? Oh, no, I'm trying to help them get hungry. I, 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 need, I need to make a point, and it seems like the worst time is when I talk about food. Chocolate chip cookies. Anybody getting hungry yet? Olive Garden. You know, when, when, when you're hungry, there's a craving. There, there, there's a desire. There, there, there is a need to get something to eat. And, and the bottom line, when this old body gets hungry, there's a desire. And it ain't going to take long. I'm going to find some groceries. Now, we may find a T-bone steak, and we may find a Snickers bar, but something's going to satisfy. We may have to eat on the run. We may have to eat while driving a car. But the bottom line, if we are hungry, we are going to take the time to get something to put into this body to take away the hunger pain so that the need might be filled. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. If we are hungry for the things of God, if we have a desire for a relationship with the Father, then it won't take long till we're going to make some time to pray. We may have to pray on the run. We may have to, we may have to do it like a Snickers bar and do it while driving, but it satisfies. If we are truly hungry, hunger is just a physical sense. It is the body prompting us to get something to eat because the body will grow physically weak 
if you do not put food in it. The same thing is true in the spiritual sense. When we begin to grow weak, the body begins running out of energy because we've not spent time with God. The spiritual body, our spiritual nature, begins to grow weary and grow tired because we've not spent time in prayer. We've not spent time reading the Word of God. And if we stop and take time to read and we stop and take time to pray, it, it encourages us. It builds that, that strength back within us. A lack of a desire to pray is a lack of a heart for the things of God. A, a lack of prayer both as an individual and as a church. It is a sign of a lack of desire for God to show up and be fully involved in everything that we do. You know, we, we pray and we ask God for grace and we ask God for mercy. And I'm truly thankful for mercy that forgives sin. I'm thankful there's a God that says, whosoever, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful it says that all my sins can be washed away. I'm thankful that God didn't exclude anything out. I'm, I'm thankful that there is mercy that I do not deserve. It is the free gift of God. I'm thankful for mercy, but there are some things that are intolerable to God especially from his children. God cannot stand insincerity. God talked specifically to the seventh of the seven churches. God talked specifically to the Laodicean church. He talked specifically to the lukewarm church, the one that can take it or leave it, the, the, the one that has no real fervent heat. God is not a part-time God. And God does not want part-time children. Nor does God care anything about your leftovers, my leftovers. God requires the first of everything. God requires the first fruits in everything we do. That is our first minutes of the morning. That is the first of everything we do. God is not interested in us bringing leftovers. Well, if I get everything done that I've got to do and I go everywhere and I get all that I need to accomplish done, if I have time, then I'll pray. If I have some time after I get everything, I'll sit down tonight and read the Bible for a little bit. Number one, you're probably not going to because you got out and got so, so caught up in the stuff in the world of the day that, that you're not going to. But even if you do, you, you're reading is going to be cold and indifferent and your prayers are going to fall on deaf ears because God don't want your scraps. You don't get to cut off your T-bone, chew the bone and throw it out like a dog. God deserves more than that. God requires more than that. He wants the first fruits from everything that we do. Jesus said, stay on the text, it's on the wall out there, Matthew 6, 33. First of all the time, but he says, seek ye first. Seek ye first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first. Don't, don't bring up the rear. Don't, don't bring to God whatever little bit's left. God is drawn to the one that seeks him. God is drawn to the one that desires him, that desires to have a relationship with him. I mean, who do you have your best relationships with? The people that you want to have a relationship with them and they want to have a relationship with you, right? There's an equal desire to have a relationship. So your best friend is your best friend for a reason. You have equal desires to have commun communications with one another, to, to be friends together. God wants to be your best friend. When you want to be his, he will be. 
It, it requires us to spend time. God is drawn to the one who has a desire to have a deep, intimate relationship with him. I want God to be drawn to me. I want God to be drawn to you. I want God to be drawn to us as a church that he might use us to do great things for his kingdom. But for me, it has to start with me. For everyone of us here, it has to start with the person in the mirror. If I had this right, God wouldn't keep teaching this to me. God doesn't give me this just to give to you. God gives me this for me. God's working on areas in my life. God teaches me stuff. God doesn't teach me things to say, hey, you're perfect to this. I want you to go tell everybody else. No, God says, look, you're a heathen. I need to straighten you out. I'm still working on you while I'm working on you. I got at least one or two more out there that need to hear the same thing you need to hear. So, so anybody that don't need to hear it, that's okay. But I know there's at least one or two more that need what I need or God wouldn't put it out for his people to hear. Prayer is the key that unlocks the power of God and applies it to our situation. If you want God involved in your situation, then involve him in it. But it involves personal prayer time. Where there is no prayer time, God has no request to intervene in whatever it is that you're dealing with. J. Vernon McGee, he said, According to my humble judgment, the greatest need of the present-day church is prayer. Prayer should be the vital breath of the church, but right now it's gasping for air. One of the great Bible teachers of the past said that church goes forward on its knees. Maybe one of the reasons the church is not going forward today is because it's not in a position to go forward. We're not on our knees, therefore we're not in the right position. Boy, that greatly reminded me of the statement that God gave me specifically about us. You'll be used in October when you're ready to be used in October. I shared that with you. We talked about how great the services were in here during Judgment Journey and how great the services and the power of God moves. And, and I wanted God to give us something to do in replace of Judgment Journey and that he might move that way. And God made it clear to me, I will use you in October when you're ready to be used in October. You didn't prepare yourself because well, we're not having Judgment Journey, so why prepare? So I guess that's why we're sitting here listening to messages on prayer. Amen. I want to read something from E.M. Bounds. This is a great book. E.M. Bounds has a, it's called The Complete Works on Prayer. It's about yay thick, great book. If you want to be humble to no end, there are men in this book that pray seven, eight, nine hours a day. Hello? Yeah, I've had to reread that two or three times. I'm like, how do you do that? I, I mean, an hour is like overwhelming. Did I just get fired as pastor? Y'all taking back our gift card to Mazzianos? It, it talks about these incredible men of God, but they were incredible men of God because they have these incredible prayer lives. It's, it's amazing to I me. Mean, no wonder they have the power to move mountains. No wonder they have the power to, to preach and souls come to Christ and, and mountains get moved and, and marriages get mended and broken hearts get fixed and prodigal children return home. So it's an incredible book. It's called E.M. E. Bounds Writes. It's called The Complete Works on Prayer. If you want to read one, it's a really, really good book. But before I read what he said, I want to define providence real quick. Providence is to provide for. In theology, providence is God's care over his creation. E.M. Bounds says, prayer and providence cannot be separated. 
To deny one is to abolish the other. Y'all get that? We need to take a minute let that sink in. To leave out prayer is to abolish providence. To, to, to deny one is to abolish the other. He says prayer supposes providence while providence is the result of prayer. All answer to prayer is God's intervention. It is, it is God's providence. Providence has to do specifically with praying people. It is God's answer to the request made by his children. It's simply the request of man in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit for God to intervene on behalf of the one who prays. So when you're the one who prays, you're the one who has summoned God into your situation and made a clear avenue for him to intervene in whatever it is that's going on in our lives. Three weeks ago, I preached a message. We, we were talking about unleashing the promises of God into our lives, and, and we, we talked about obedience and disobedience. Those were seldom ever the best received messages. So we, we talked about um, obedience and, and how God honors obedience and how disobedience um, holds God back from our lives. So, so I went back. And I listened to a part of the message. I, I don't know how to tell you. I, I realize that I, I am who I am. I, I'm just a matter-of-fact kind of person. I, I really ain't going to waste a lot of your time beating around the bush. Not in conversations, not in anything. It's not my personality. I, I don't sugarcoat stuff. I don't change stuff. A lie is not a, a slight stretching of the truth, a lie is a lie. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, it's my nature. I don't know that I know how to do things any different. I, I don't preach any differently th than I talk. This is what God's Word says. It's not a book of suggestions. It's a book of absolutes. So I don't offer it as suggestions. I don't offer it as choices. I offer it as this is God's absolute. But I offer it that way because I want God to bless you. I said in the message, I went back and looked, I said, our disobedience delays the delivery of God's blessings. Obedience and disobedience are important to God. Obedience is a sign of love and a desire to please Him. Disobedience is a manifestation of our old sin nature, which pulls us away from God. There's no other way to put it. Disobedience is an act of rebellion. The entire message was to help us align ourselves with the things of God so that God might richly bless us. Yet all some people heard out of the whole message was that I preached on tithing. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being real. Everything about the message was lining up. We, we looked at the promises of God, but now that God has made these promises that we have some accountability. And that's what we talked about, to, to line things up. And, and all some people heard was tithing. I, I want you to understand some things. I, I preached this book Number one, because that is what God has called me to do. He's not called me to preach my opinion, my suggestions. God has called me to preach this book. I preach this book completely as it's written in its entirety because I absolutely love this book. 
I believe everything in this book, there's not a comma out of place, there's not a period should be moved, there's not a colon mark that shouldn't be there from in the beginning to amen. It is holy, righteous, sovereign, perfect, never to be changed. It is God's holy word. I believe that with all of my heart. That's why I preach it that way. This book is the only absolute that we have. It is the only stability that we have in today's world. I preach this book because I love you. I I preach this book because I I, I truly want to see God bless you, bless your home, bless your family, open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. There'll be not room enough to receive it. I want to see God enrich your marriage, strengthen your children, grow your grace, increase your finances. I want to see God abundantly bless everything that you do. And that's why I preach the truth because God's promises are hid behind these things of obedience. But yet when you put it out, it's it's as though you're, you're some... Hardcore. The, the last two weeks have been on prayer. What I want you to hear is that there's power in the name of Jesus. What I want you to hear is that there are blessings hidden in obedience. What I want you to hear is that if you tithe according to God's word, that he's the one that said, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. What I want you to hear is that God said, if you pray, I will hear you. Call unto me. I will answer thee. I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God promised that. I didn't. What what I want is for everybody to hear and understand that when we line up with the things of God, it opens the windows of heaven for God to bless us and for God to use us. That's the thing that, that I want you to hear. I want you to hear that God loves you. I want you to hear that that God desires to to bless you, that that God desires to to hear from you, not not as a duty, but as a friend, as a child and a father. He wants us to be as Molly was, just come as a child. Don't know no better. Just come sit down and talk to him. Just tell him what's on your mind and know that he's going to fix it and then go on and leave it alone. He says, come in the heart of a child. If we get our part right, God will honor his part. Fact, absolute, guaranteed. If there's ever separation from God, it's because we moved away from God. God never moves away from us. If there's lack of prayer, it's a lack of our desire to pray because God's always there and listening with an open ear. So so what I want us to hear is the goodness of God. I want us to have a a rich, full life and, and a right relationship. And I want us to know that that there is a relationship through prayer that can get us through storms that we couldn't walk through without it. That's the things I want us to hear. I just wonder what some of you are hearing. I'm I'm not a hardcore, beat-you-over-the-head preacher that thinks he's arrived at anything. I understand this book is what points out my faults and my failures, and you probably share some of the same ones I have. I understand that the blessings of God for me are hid in the promises of this book, and they're hid for you as well. And I just want to share them. And I just want God's children to to receive what he says, because I know God will bless you. I know God will hear you. See, there's a lot of things I, I can't promise you that, that somebody else is going to show up tomorrow. Somebody told me they're going to come. They're going to help you do something. They told me they'll be there at 9 o'clock at your house. I can tell you they're supposed to be there at 9. I can't promise you that. 
I can tell you that somebody said, hey, this is what we're going to do, yada, yada, yada. We're going to do this much money. I, I can't promise you that. I can tell you, somebody said this, hope they're good for the word. I can't promise you that. I can promise you this. I, I don't have any doubt on this. I don't have to dance around this. I can make promises out of this. And sometimes the promises require some things that we need to adjust in order for God to do the things that he said he would do. See, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have the ability to change the way I deliver a message. I don't know that I have the ability to change the way I talk, the way I present things. I, I am what I am. I know for a fact I don't have the ability to change this book. But I also know for a fact that God will honor those who are serious about prayer. God will honor the individual who is serious about prayer. And God will take the church. You know, y'all know I read another quote last week. I didn't get it back, but remember that we talked about how the devil fears a man or a woman that's serious about prayer. And how the devil fears a church that gets adamant about prayer because the devil knows he's fixing to lose his stronghold in that church and in that community. So I know that when we become serious and, and adamant about prayer and fasting and serving God, I know that God will bless us. And that's all I want is to see God bless each one of you in your life, each one of us where we live. I asked a question last week. I said, how many of you want more? You want more than just Sunday. You want more than a couple songs, a three-point sermonette, and out by 12. You, you want more than to just come here and see your friends. You want more than just come be seated and be able to say, hey, I checked one off the checklist. I went to church this week. You want more. You want to feel the power of the Holy Spirit of God when you come to church. You want to come here and, and build on your relationship with the Father. You want to come here and spend time in one. You want to feel God move. You want to know you've been to church. You want to walk out here with something on you that the world can't get off. And just about everybody in here raise your hand that you want more. Well, more is available. More is available. And it's available through prayer. It's available through the prayer of you and I together. And, and I, I fully believe I fully believe that there's at least a small number that is praying more because I feel it. I feel it during the week. I feel it when we come in here. And I believe the more we pray and the more we fast and the more we desire a relationship, the more we're going to feel when we come in this place. It'll be something we'll go out of here and talk about. It'll be something people will desire to have a part of. Listen, we, we got a, Greg, you guys can come on. We got a great band. I love their heart. I love their dedication. We got a great choir. I love all those things. We ain't got much of a preacher, but God will send you one of those one day. <laughs> but we got, a, we got musicians to make up for it. But man, it really ain't about any of that. It's all about coming and gathering and, and worshiping a God that's worthy. It's about coming in here and just surrendering everything. It, it's okay. It's okay to have faults pointed out I need that yeah I need that and some more of us do sometimes we just need somebody to love us enough to sit down and tell us the truth sometimes we just need somebody to, to love us enough to, to point some things out sometimes 
Sometimes it's love that keeps us from saying things because we don't want to hurt somebody. But things said in love that's been prayed about and bathed in prayer and carried in the Holy Spirit can be received as such. I just want to see God do something special in this place. Amen. I want to ask you if you would to stand. These guys are going to sing a song. You can pray where you're at. You don't have to come to the altar. You know that. The altar is open. I'm very thankful that COVID has backed off. We're able to do those things. You can put on a mask if you want. You can separate if you want. You can stay where you're at if you want. But I want us to take a few minutes and, and, and pray. I want us to pray for ourselves as we should. God, forgive us. Clean us up. Make us usable vessels. I want us to pray for everybody around us. I want us to pray specifically if there's anybody in this place or anybody on live stream that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that today is the day they'd be saved. Today is the day they'll ask Jesus Christ to forgive them of all their sins, confess their sins, and ask Him to come into my heart and save me. That today would be the day that, that mountains would be moved for somebody, sicknesses would be healed for somebody, broken marriages would be mended for somebody, prodigal children would, would find their way back home and come in out of the hog pen. I want you to pray for somebody around you. I'll give you a real one. You got anybody that gets on your nerves? I just killed the attitude of prayer, didn't I? I'm going to bring it back. That's who I want you to pray for. You want God to bless you? You pray for the one that chaps you the most. Pray for the one that grates your nerves the most. You take the one that absolutely drives you the craziest and you pray that God would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on them. And God will start doing a work in you. So I want you to pray. And I want to make the attitude of prayer that we pray for those around us. We pray that God would use them, that God would bless them.